to see you, my friend. How, how are Hello. you up in, in, in sunny Noosa? Uh, mate, I feel bad talking about it, to be honest. Okay. I'm very fortunate. The, the, my um, fortunate position is not lost on me at all. Um, but, yeah, life's pretty normal up here. We had a, a, a cheeky eight-day lo- eight lockdown. Um we came out of it on Sunday, so we're plugging away as normal in Queensland, which is which is great for the industry up here. Obviously, how are you going in Sydney? Uh, not brilliantly. Um, yep. I don't think that people are, um, uh, as a whole, doing brilliantly, um, in, in particularly around this sector. But even the community at large is, you know, it's a, the lengthiest period that, and and also I suppose like there's the where is that light. Um, creeping into the discussion as reality is hitting. So, you know, there's very much a focus on on vaccinations as you anticipate and uh, encourage anyone, everyone to get vaccinated as quickly as possible. So that will, I suppose, is probably a bit of a milestone like that's starting to form, but you've very much got the reality of uh, uh, impact on trade um, and, uh, you know, our, our business is getting the relief that... Um, they should be, um, and you know, and, and how do you just sort of keep keep things together, really? Like, um, so that you know, we can we are in a position to get to re- the recovery bit. Mm. Yeah, complex um, situation facing New South Wales government and uh, residents, obviously. But uh, fingers crossed. I don't know what, what the timeline's going to be, but fingers crossed it's sooner rather than later. Obviously. Um, we might as well jump into today's guest, who is Marcello Colosimo. Um, he'll be quite well known to pretty much anyone who sits within the pub space. I, I would suggest, you know, he's he's, he's pretty widely regarded um, as a great operator throughout the industry. He's had a long career within pubs in Sydney, um, so has uh, you know. It, it, from my understanding, pretty pretty well networked individual and and, and highly admired. But um, I actually had the the uh, pleasure of um, emceeing the Pub Leaders Summit a couple of months ago, I think, in Sydney. And, and Marcello was one of the uh, speakers on the panel. And I was really, really impressed. Um, I had been previous, sorry. I'll, I'll go back before that. had seen a lot of what they were doing in the first lockdown in terms of keeping their staff engaged. And Marcello actually spoke to that um, during the event. And um, the way he articulated what they were doing and, and the, um, the purpose behind it was was quite impressive and, and a story well worth sharing. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to get him onto today's podcast. Yeah, well, I, I hope it's one of those conversations that, you know, uh, isn't actually has some actionable points maybe coming out of it for anyone that's listening. I don't know, sometimes. But let's, uh, let's, um, let's get him on, shall we? Done. Welcome, Marcello. Thank you very much for joining us. Good, mate. Thanks, guys. Luke, Michael. Hello, Michael. How are you? Well, uh, it's uh, as as for everyone at the moment, unfortunately, it's like, well, not everyone, I suppose, but there's an element of Groundhog Day about it, isn't it, uh, here in, in, in Sydney? Um, and, and uh, yeah, as we've just been talking about in the pregame, uh, an increasing ambition to, 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 to get back out, but... Un- Yep, it's uh, it seems a ways off at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, it does. It feels like everyone's a little bit battle weary this time around. Um, you know, staff, us, everyone. But uh, I think um, you know, based on based on the way it's looking, at uh, you know, it'll still be a couple of months, I reckon. Marcel, mm. um, I thought let's pretend no one in the industry. This is a you know bold-faced lie, but no one in the industry knows who you are. Yeah. Um, we will have obviously introduced you, but do you, would you mind? You, we're obviously going to get to COVID at some point. It'll be hard not to, but um, can you give us a bit of a backstory as to you personally? Um, you know, how did you end up in hospitality? Uh, my understanding is it's, it's kind of been your your life, right? But, um, yeah, how did it all start for you? Yeah, um, my father was uh, was was in hospitality pretty early. So he was a waiter at a, at a fine dining restaurant in uh, in the city. He was an immigrant, obviously. He came, he came over from Italy when he was um, 14 and, uh, you know, couldn't speak English and then, um, and then eventually became, uh, you know, worked his way through school and then became a, a waiter. Um, 
uh, at uh, at a fine dining restaurant, and so uh, you know it was something that he grew to love. Then he went over to Vegas and became a croupier, and then um, came back and uh, and eventually started a bottle shop or a supermarket first at um, in the Hills District, and then a bottle shop. and and uh, you know, grew the love for for for, for bottle shops and, and off premise and 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 liquor, the liquor industry grew from there. And and so basically, um, we had a you know I was living in a caravan at the back of that bottle shop with uh, with him and and um, and my mum. My mum you know had me when she was pretty young, and and uh, and so they lived behind the shop until council kicked them out. Um, and then uh, and then you know after that bottle shop, he. Um, he uh, he ended up buying a bottle shop in the city, Chinatown Cellars, and I suppose that's where I started working. You know, when I was when I was young, school holidays, starting work, started off it was all sort of my brothers did. So eventually, you know, start off bagging ice and and then um, and then filling the filling the fridges and filling the shelves and wiping down the bottles and and uh, you know making sure all the labels were facing the front and you know simple things like that. And then just listening to himself. You know, and so you know, at that time, he was um, ended up supplying a lot of the bottle shops in a lot of the restaurants in in, in Chinatown. So I'd I'd be you know, would have been thirteen delivering alcohol to all these restaurants, you know, um, <laughs> on, on on a trolley. And I was yeah. like, Chinatown sellers just opposite Paddy Paddy's markets there, so it was you know interesting. Um, and my grandfather still used to work at Paddy's markets and sell his. Um, you know, sell his, uh, his fruit and veggies that he'd grow in his backyard, and, and so occasionally I'd go over there and help him help him do that. And, yeah. and um, you know, it was a, we lived in the Hills District, so it was about an hour's drive each way. And in school holidays, we'd, we'd work, you know, from open till close. So, you know, you, you get to know that world pretty well. And then, um, and then, basically, then he's uh, during that time he started a wholesale wine company, and it was called the Wholesale Wine Company. And we used to label bottles for people to um, to use at events. So for function centres, you know, if someone's getting married or there's a special event or something like that, we'd uh, we'd, we'd label bottles of wine for them or port or champagne, and and we'd sell that. And um, and then he started and applied for a uh, for a, a new bottle shop in in the Hills District, and um, and uh, Coles, who were the dominant player at that time, Liquorland, they objected to it, um, and he ended up getting knocked back for the bottle shop. So he applied for a pub, and uh, and a pub um, uh, automatically got a bottle shop. So and, he, and you know he managed to get the first pub approved in the Hills District in ninety years or something. You know it's known as the Bible built out this way, you know, and and. Um, he got that approved, and and because bottle shop was what he wanted, the bottle shop was ninety percent of the building, and the pub was ten percent. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, you know, that was I would have been fifth, maybe fourteen, fifteen at that time, maybe. And then, uh, and so you know, I was working in the bottle shop that then, and and growing. And then that pub um, was Castle Tavern, and uh, you know, it started off, um, you know, probably. 400 square metres and end up being 50,000, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's not a small <laughs> 50,000, but it became <laughs> one of the biggest clubs in, in, um, in New South Wales, you know, and so the, the bottle shop ended up moving out of that area and moved in and we built a separate uh, a separate building for that bottle shop. And, you know, look, you know, that, that, at that time it used to be that Dan Murphy style, you know, and that, that you know, we, we went to Melbourne and watched how, how Dan Murphy's originally did it and, and, you know, before Woolies owned it and it was a fantastic concept and, and we had a bottle shop based on that, and then Castle Tavern was, you know, a pub in the middle of nowhere, and and uh, and then that grew. And um, basically, after school, I went to uni and I did finance at uni, and I went and worked for I went overseas for a year, and I came back and worked at Macquarie Bank um, in the banking world, and and I loved it. You know, super smart people. Uh, it was a great time. Share price was four bucks. You know, it was a long time ago, and it was, it was a good, good, good group of people. Um, Doing some really good things, but uh, then at that time we, um, Dad bought a, a, a little um, a little place in uh, in the city uh, with a little pub at the front and an office block at the back, and um, and that was called uh, the Bristol Arms Hotel, and um, mm. and then um, as that went on, uh, eventually. Um, we had we had a promoter that came and saw us. And, well, I'll tell you, this is a quite an interesting story actually, because uh, 
you know, it was during that time, after that time, that I ended up going back and, and, and working for the business full time, the family business. And, you know, it was obviously had worked all during uni while I was out there working the bars, started off working the floors, doing, doing, doing the, um, you know, the, the glassy work all the way through to, you know, to, to Balm and to, you know, running certain things while I was at uni and then, uh, and then, and went back after Macquarie Bank and, and started, you know, started working full time, and then, you know, very shortly after started running the place. But um, Rich, then, you know, Bristol Arms end up, we end up knocking out the walls and opening up that that office block, and it ended up becoming retro. And uh, you know, at that time, twenty, you know, it was 23, 24 years ago, maybe, and we, you know, we were we were getting two thousand people there on a Saturday night, you know, thousand people on a on a Friday night, and you, you look there back back then, it was, it was quite interesting the way retro. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know, Luke, if you want to go into the way retro, retro. Oh, please do, please do. Oh, I, re- I remember it well, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we had we, there was a re- retro was in our was in our concept. It was a um, it was a concept that uh, was actually running um, on Pitt Street, uh, where the, there's um, right next door to. To Justin's place. What's what's his pub on Pitt Street? The, the, the Angel. Angel, yeah. Angel, yeah. And it was downstairs, and um, and this guy was running it um, once a month, uh, mm. and he'd run at a big event, and um, and uh, it got flooded, and it was and uh, it, that place was flooded, so he did, he could didn't have a spot to run this big event. He was getting four five hundred people a month. And he also, this was a guy that also started Club 77, Ernest Fraser, very, very good promoter. And he um, he uh, ended up calling and said, okay, look, I need a space. And, and we started and, and, you know, knocked out walls and built stairs and, you know, that, that sort of stuff. I don't know whether you remember retro, but it was, the, you know, you would not look, but it was the biggest sweat box. And, you know, <laughs> you walk in there, you're like copying a punch to the face or stuff like when you walked in there. Like, <laughs> but it, it, um, <laughs> we started. We started. Uh, that started once a month on a Saturday night, and then then we said, well, you know, why don't we do it twice a month? And then why don't we do it every Saturday night? And then why don't we start Friday nights? And and eventually the promoter left, and because he, he he didn't he didn't he wanted to do his own thing from promotions, and and he went down the road and started started down the road at, at Morton's, and and um, which is is it still Morton's? What's the place? In Sussex. Uh, Sussex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And um, but retro stayed pretty much the brand stayed, and you know we, we at at, uh, at Bristol Arms, and and you know became known as Bristol Arms Retro Hotel, and we had that tagline, you know, five levels, six six bars, seven DJs, you know, and and, um, and it took off, and and you know you think twenty two years ago we were charging twenty dollar entry, so, um, you know, it was a, you know you couldn't do that, it's hard to do that in Sydney these days, you know, to to do that, you know, but um, it was a good place, and then. Justin opened down the road, and uh, and he had um, that was his, you know, his place down there. That um, was a slip in, and uh, you know, obviously that whole area became a lot busier. But at that same time, Castle Tavern, you know, grew and grew and grew, and and, uh, and it became an institution, you know, and, and not only for for the Hills District, but probably for Sydney. You know, the Thursday night out there. At that time, you know, you, you, there was no bigger place in, in Sydney. You know, the only place comparable would have been Selena's or Um, You know, and we we both used to do big bands, but you know, we we we'd, we'd only do them on a Wednesday night because we were full Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you know, I spoke to those guys there that, that brought in the big bands and said we'll do them, but we'll do them on a Wednesday. And, and um, yes, yeah, so Castle Tavern became became uh, a huge place and. Um, and that was pretty much, you know, from there we just, you know, I bought and sold pubs and built pubs, and then, you know, now, 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 pretty much we we're known as greenfield specialists, and we, we look to emerging areas that that uh, that, that, that uh, we can build a pub in, and um, and uh, and you know, I believe pubs are sort of the centerpiece of the community, but um, you know, and, and these new areas need need a place for people to go and meet and create memories, and so we try and do. Can you? Um, we'll come back on a lot of what you just said because it's, it's a great story. But um, what does the group look like now in terms of number of assets and, and sort of where it sits? Yeah, sure. We've got five pubs we're operating now, um, but three of them are probably are monster pubs. You know, they're, they're, they're Bella Vista Hotel is 
it's probably three or four pubs in one. You know, Hillside Hotel is pretty pretty much the same. And the Governor is um, it's a f- you know four level um, hotel as well. That's pretty much only fifty percent open. We're 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 doing the other two floors at the moment. Um, we have uh, we have a f- you know a high end uh, cocktail bar, you know, with Italian restaurant and a pub, but. Um, at Norwest, and we have a it's just a small neighbourhood pub at Jural. Uh, we're building. Um, we've we've got approvals for two more pubs. Um, we'll, so we're going to build a, a super pub at Oran Park, um, and that'll that'll be probably one of the biggest pubs in in in, in New South Wales, but also one of the most diverse. So you know we've got things in there like um, theatres, you know, gold class cinemas. Um, uh, you know, um, training rooms and for for, for for function training for, for you know because we got we run an RTO so we're training people in there and uh, rooftop bars and all this sort of thing so it's it's a great place and we've got we've got DAs in for about three other um, new venues um, now you know we, for quite a while we were sort of the only ones building places or, or moving places but now a few other publicans have gone into greenfield sites but you know it's sort of where our specialty lies so we get we get offered a few opportunities so we've got a fair few things on the go I got a question, which is that: At what point did you decide to leave Macquarie, and why? Yeah, um, it was at that time Macquarie were looking to open a South African office, uh, and they asked if I wanted to go over there and um, do a bit of research on Joe Bergen. Was living in a Guarded compound wasn't something I was overly interested in. I could have stayed, obviously, in Sydney. There's guys I work there with that are still still working there now and, and doing a great job. Um, uh, but fundamentally, I suppose, if, if, you know, building businesses and being that, you know, your own boss and a bit entrepreneurial is, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it feels like it's it's in my blood and, and, uh, and probably working for, for myself and my family is... is Makes seem to make more sense, although you know, we um, I very much enjoyed it. It's uh, you know, the, the, the idea of doing something with yourself and doing something in this hospitality and serving people, and, you know, rather than putting on a shirt and tie and going in an office every day. Yeah, but what when you, you go back when you're looking at you know, greenfield sites like and and you mentioned Norham Park, but I'm sure there's others that you're looking at. How 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 do you go about thinking what? Property type you're going to put in, and you know what the community needs. Do you have? Yeah, a- sure. Or- so ba- basically, the, the conceptually, um, we're, we're suburban, you know, and and uh, and obviously we had retro in the city. But it, the, the reason why retro worked, I believe, is because it was a pretty much a suburban pub in the city. You're right. So it was, it was the idea that anyone could get in. You know, before before you know, you have all these. Uh, <laughs> You'd have all these other places where you get knocked back, mate. We wouldn't knock back anyone at retro. <laughs> you'd know, you'd, you'd pissed, obviously, but you'd come in and and um, and and so suburban's what we do, you know. And and uh, we're probably not cool, or you know, all that sort of sort of stuff. We 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 like that community aspect. We like being that centerpiece of the community. We like the idea that people build memories there over a period of time. Now we still try to create some institutions, you know, in in that, but it's 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 around that 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 suburban community so then we look and sit there and say okay well what what is not on offer here in this community and uh, and what could we offer and and uh, and why would we offer and can we make money out of it and can we develop something that that people don't have to travel outside of the community to get you know so if you're living at Oran Park and you've got to drive an hour to get to the city to do something like what you know why and that's why the, the idea is we want to be able to, to to offer something to those people there that they don't have to drive anywhere and they feel proud of and they feel they feel, you know, loyal too, um, and and they have they feel like they have some ownership in it from a from a brand perspective, and and so then you know then, then we build around around that and what concepts we're putting in each you know each each area, and and um, you know we, we look we look pretty closely at that five senses experience for the customer and how what are they going to look, see, feel, hear, taste, you know, all these t- types of things. Um, 
uh, and we, we literally just start jotting things down. And then we've got we work pretty well with some some designers, you know, sort of know our style, I suppose, you know, and so we can talk through through that stuff with them. We said no, you know, like I might send twenty photos and. She has to decipher it, you know, <laughs> what I mean by those 20 photos and she's getting good at deciphering that stuff. <laughs> well, I, I want to come back to your family. I, I, the, the story of your father coming out here at 14, not speaking English, and then what, what year was that, roughly? I want to say 56, something like that. Okay. Maybe my my yeah. maths is horrible. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be sixty four. I think. Sorry, born fifty six. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, in not a significant amount of time, considering he was obviously still at school during those years or in school years, built a pretty impressive business. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 a, it's a great story of of what can be achieved. You know, if you if you get in there and work hard. Um, what's the what's the family dynamic like in the business now in terms of involvement of different family members and, and how does that sort of work? Yeah, the family dynamics are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Fundamentally, it's uh, it's it's very, it's actually still it's very strong. We 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 all um, we all you know own, own the business together. Um, you know, dad dad's still around, although he's not involved in the business. He's you know he does his own thing with some property stuff. Um, he you know we everyone's still got a lot of respect. We all get together. You know. Very often, um, there's six boys, so there's him. There's six boys. I'm the oldest, but and uh, um, you know, the, my youngest brother's twelve years younger than me. Um, and you know, they people work in and out of the business in, in in various fashions, and some are in full time, and some are out, and some do different things. I have one brother that builds the pubs for us; he does a great job doing that. We've got another brother that does all the, you know, um, procurement and purchasing and everything. And you know, we, we have we have. Um, you know, different people do marketing, and you know, one of my brothers is a COO. And, um, so we, we, you know, we're, we're quite close. You know, and and I think that uh, you know, we've always probably been brought up that um, it's family first and money second. Um, and if that's the case, you know, and 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 you hold true to that, then then you you know you can work through you can work through a lot of issues. Um, we have hired a, a, a an external family chair um, that can help resolve any un, you know any conversations that need to be resolved for, for want of a better word. So you now family business is tough with a couple of people. If you put six, and there's no no really shrinking violets in our family. You know, the, um, if you, you put in a, in a room, it can get it can get heated. So it's better off to have an adjudicator. <laughs> I have to ask, are there any topics that are consistently contentious or is it just on a broad range of things? Uh, look, you know, it's, I suppose it's contentious when, when, when you know, when, when you're doing the major things like buying or selling. You right. know, um, uh, most of the other stuff after that is, is not overly contentious, you know. What, um, so, because the, you, it has significant effects on 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 people's lifestyles, you know. So, it's, um, that's the idea, and people have their own views, and obviously, everyone's got their own families and that now. So, that that's when that's when you have the, you have more discussions. But overall, mate, it's, it's you know, we, we we know consensus rules. You're not going to win all your battles, you know, in some, you know, and, and if if you take it like that, that uh, then and don't take it personal. <laughs> which took a while to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's okay. And, and does it go through to the next generation coming in? Um, I would, my, my boys are older. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a bit older than the, the other, my other brothers. Um, my, I got a twenty-year-old, nearly twenty-one, you know, eighteen um, and thirteen. That I've said to them that they can't come into the business, you know, for five to ten years, you know. I think the conceptually, you know, they're, they're better off going and learning. And if I was to put them in hospitality, I'd probably put them with someone else for a while. You know, you'd, 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 you'd say to, you know, some of those these other guys in the industry, look, can you, can you, can you teach them? Because, you know, there's plenty of people out there that do things a lot better than us. You know, so, you know, no use coming and just learning exactly what we do and being another version of us. You're better off going out and learning. And so my, my, my son's, the older ones doing accounting and finance at uh, at, um, at uni, and you know the others can do whatever they want. But it's it's 
the idea of family is very big, um, you know, and that stays strong. But the idea of them coming into our business is not something we're, we're pushing. Look, there's six, six of us, it's probably enough for a while. <laughs> um, you know, but we still, you know, we, we as, as a group, there's, um, I'm trying to, maybe 17 grandkids, you know. So out of that, there's, um, you know, we get together very often and make sure the kids all get together very often and and, uh, and and understand the reason why we're doing this is for future generations and just for us. Might as well come to sort of present day. What, what's life like for you in the business right now, given obviously everything that's happening? And um, uh, I guess if we can time check it, we're, we're in the middle of a, a very extended lockdown. Um, what's the, I guess, how are you feeling about things at the moment? Fundamentally, I'm feeling okay. I feel well, like it's, it's pretty good. We're, we're happy. Our staff are happy. You know, we, we haven't had to put in, you know, any of the main crew off we haven't had to cut wages or anything like that um because we're doing a fair bit of stuff um but you know i feel i feel uh, the industry is struggling as as an industry and i feel um as i said before early to you know every, everyone's battle weary and and uh and you know there, there's no real set date on light out at the end of the tunnel you know and look you know everyone's got their own speculation but my personal belief i don't think we I don't think you'll get, you'll be back to normal up, opening up, standing, dancing till next year. You know that, that that's my view on that. I think February is, is probably what you're going to look at to be to be back to normal, not as in what we what we used to call normal. You know, um, so I think that, that you know there'll be a slow slow release out of this. Um, you know, so if you look at that and sit there, and you know, there's there's a couple of ways to take it. Look, obviously, you know, what one, you know, you could sit back and and just wait and 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 write it out. But we took the approach that that um, that that we didn't want to do that, and we wanted to 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 keep everyone engaged and keep everyone on board and 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 have as much. You know, we we got say today at Bella Vista, we've probably got fifty people working. You know, um, and uh, they're you know from from batching cocktails to 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 flavoring vodkas to to cooking pre-cooked meals to deliveries to building to you know to to do managing the drive-through and you know um we're serving we're serving a lot of customers you know we 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 we, we added it up last you know so far we're probably ten thousand one liter cocktails you know since since we we shut down and um, you know, so it takes takes people to make that. And, you know, f- from our point of view, a lot of it's, you're not making money. I'm not making money out of this. We're, we're, we're just keeping people engaged and we're just keeping them and we're paying their bills and, and allowing them to, to to win. And I think that that's, that's probably an important part of how we viewed it. With, you know, if, if they need to feel like they're they're on a winning side and and, uh, and we're doing whatever we can to, to, to help that. You know, these things I looked at, we... we, we, we we didn't want to start anything that we, that couldn't be a business afterwards, and and I think that that's um, you know if we said okay you know could you know if we're going to do cocktails can we do cocktails later if we're going to make you know we've got a, we, we started a distillery we started beforehand so we've got gin and vodkas and you know limoncellos we're making homemade branded limoncellos and you know these types of things and do, do they progress afterwards and and um, you know our, our delivery and our you know, we, all the other businesses, you know, we're doing virtual cocktail. You know, we've got trivia tonight. We've got 800 people booked in for trivia, <laughs> virtual, virtual trivia, you know. And and, um, and so it's that, and that, that's customers that we can speak to, you know. So yeah. we, we sit there and we speak to them, and we, you know, we talk. I mean, we start off with, you know, again, we're not charging, but the idea is we're talking to them and we're, we're keeping them engaged and we're, we're, we're trying to be hospitable, you know. We're trying, trying to, you know, do what we said we are going to do and, and um and keep that community engaged, and, and so you know the, the, the feedback's been amazing, you know, from from the from the community, um, and and they, they really appreciate it, and they're very very supportive, and and so therefore then you know each day we're thinking of different ways. So you know while while it's true it's Groundhog Day because 
you know, before lockdown, you're killing it and, you know, everyone's breaking records and, you know, it's such a good time to, to be in hospitality. And then then you're in this, but, you know, this is where we're at now. We've got to, we've got to make do. Can you um, do us a favour, I guess, um, clearly outline exactly what you're doing at Bella Vista just for people who may not be aware because it. Uh, I'll go back to the first lockdown. You guys were straight out of the box in terms of coming up with ways to keep your staff employed, I think, was the was probably the primary objective to keep them working and get them, as you said, winning, um, which was absolutely commendable, um, remarkable, and and then highly effective from, you know, from an outsider's perspective. And I know we spoke about this at the Pub Leaders Summit, but um, now, unfortunately, you've had the chance to do it again. But <laughs> for, people, yeah. <laughs> for people who aren't aware, because, I mean, that, uh, this doesn't sound like they're, they're quite simple things that you're doing, but they've been highly effective. And I think that the, from my perspective, again, the difference is that just the, the willingness to go out and do them and to commit to doing them and to engaging with the audience. Like an 800 people come into a Zoom trivia for example, I'm assuming it's on Zoom. Yeah. Um, that is phenomenal. Um, but can you just step us through um, the specific other things that you're doing on site sure. that are keeping your team involved? Um, so there's a bunch of different things. I'll take it. Essentially, we we we, we said, um, you know, I sat down with a couple of the, the, the key leaders in, in the group and said, all right, look, we're going to go back in. Tomorrow we want to call the, the, the wider leadership group into a meeting. And we did, and we said, all right, this is what we, this is what we did last time. This is what we're going to do this time. You know, this is the reasons why we're going to do it, and we need you to, to act fast and 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 uh, jump on board and then continually improve with it because it can't just be us making the ideas. We need that whole team to be part of it, you know, and, and so that, that, that was important. And they did and they jumped on and, and um, we did learn out of last, last time. And, like, for example, we're running a, a drive-through essentials express, we call it, which is a drive-through pub, supermarket, bottle shop type concept, right? So you, 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 you all your pre-packed foods, you, your cooked meals, you, your um, things to take home, your essentials, your, and then your alcohol, and this is where we... Um, last time we were doing a paper order or, you know, and this time we were, everything's based, you know, based on we're using that order up, you know. So similar, obviously, after when we reopened last time, everyone started to order over their phones. So, you know, there, there's a system in place for that. So now if you go into that drive-through, look, you'll see... We've got boost juice. You know, we put a boost caravan juice in there. We've got a, a pizza shop in there. We've got like literally a pizza shop where, where you, you know, you, so you can order pre-order or you can you can order on your phone. You do a QR code and you order, and then you go through. We have you know five stand-up fridges full of pre-made cocktails. Um, uh, then we have food, uh, and we have Messina, a drive-through Messina, um, and they're they're killing it. Like the amount of money they're turning over is, is astounding. And, um, and, you know, they're working with us and come up with a new flavour each week and, you know, just creates that, 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 that um, what's hype, uh, but it also, you know, keeps the customers coming back and keeps, keeps us relevant. Um, so then apart from that, then, then we do all the theme cocktails, you know, and, and then say with trivia tonight, we're doing um, it's Friends trivia tonight. I think. Not Friends, it's Simpsons trivia tonight. Just, and, uh, you know, last week was Sex in the City. And, you know, so then you're making Cosmos last week and, and all these types of things and people coming in and buying Cosmos and cupcakes and that. And tonight they're doing fish packs and, you know, beer and, you know, these types of things, you know, to go with the trivia and then you know, you've got questions on that. And then then we, then we were pretty quick. We, we I bought 2,000. 250 mil bottles, you know, the day lockdown was announced and they came two days later and and we had guys batching Negronis and Old Fashions and, and Pina Coladas within a week. So we had, you know, so they're selling high-end, well, very high-end, you know, wax, wax finished bottle tops, you know, small batch cocktails. And then and then we had um, we had limoncello on, on the go already, so then we just fast-tracked that, you know, instead of waiting for the perfect label and everything, we, we, we had that going. So, you know, now we've got limoncello and mandaretto and blood orange liqueur and coffee liqueur and, and uh, so so that's a, that's a separate side of things as well. And then we there's established a, a thing called Vice, which is virtual interactive cocktail experience. And, um, and that's, you know, he's, he would have done... 20 sessions of that to corporate gigs, 
you know, since we've been shut. Um, so he does one one every second, third day. Um, and you know, so we send our cocktail kits to people, and uh, and then over Zoom, they're, they're 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 getting taught how to make cocktails. And you know, so the so corporate people are you know are, are using that for for their staff engagement, and but we're using it obviously to 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 to, to pay some staff and, and, and give them a gig. Um, then obviously we started that trivia. You've got delivery, which are, you know everyone's doing. Um, we're in we're, we we're close. To, the Hills District still not you know. Lockdown is in the 5K type concept that Blacktown is. So as soon as Blacktown got locked down, then we started delivering. Um, and then at each venue, we've got we put a food truck at each pub, uh, each of the other pubs, and the food truck. Um, and next to the food truck, we sell the cocktails, and that keeps another two or three people employed every 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 weekend. And then um, I think that's it, mate. <laughs> I think you need to add a few more started, things in there. You're a bit light on. We started a food truck park actually the first weekend we were open, and mate, believe it or not, the, 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 the traffic was so bad. <laughs> it blocked the road. Oh, you know, you, you know, have you ever been to Bella Vista? But it blocked it blocked three roads because so many people were trying to get in. We had to shut it. We shut had to shut it that day. We shut it one day because it, it was too busy. Council just said no, no chance. So we said. Oh. <laughs> I think we served like a thousand cars that night. It was crazy. It's amazing. Like, it's quite remarkable listening. If I'm just putting, being honest about it, like it, 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 um, and you get a sense that, and, and you know, as I didn't know you were doing Messina, but Luke, one of our, I think our second or, or third episode ever on Back of House was was with Messina, right? And and I, I listened to that back then, Michael. I remember, I remember, I remember listening to, it and I remember being so impressed with that guy and with his innovation. It was very good. And, and but I was listening to you speak, Marcella, um, and and just thinking about the way that the Messina guys had gone about their business, and it there's I, I felt like oh this is reminding me of something, and, it, and then you uh, front up with the fact that they're co- um, collaborating with you, <laughs> and no surprise I guess like it, it, it's a sort of similar ethos, and um, you know, um, and, and I guess I don't know sort of uh, hospitality. Uh, Genome, maybe that has driven some of that. So it's great, great storytelling there for me to listen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I think um, you know, obviously, you know, they they do a good job, but they're they're very happy. They've got one staff member, and the amount of money they're turning over from one staff member through this place is is huge. So they're happy, and we're happy because you know we're we're doing joint joint marketing stuff. One of the other things I forgot to say, Luke, is we actually developed an accessible sort of. Branded vodka and uh, and and things like wet pussy shots and, and that sort of stuff. So flavored branded vodkas. So you know they're, they're selling like hotcakes at the moment. You know you've got Redskin and you know cinnamon and pepper jack and you know chili and and you know people coming in and, and, and loving this those, those stuff. It's quite funny to watch. You mentioned um, you weren't going to do anything that you wouldn't keep doing, that you couldn't be a business in its own right. What do you see staying around lockdown lifts tomorrow, um, 2022? What do you see um, you committing to long term? I think I think we'll do most of those. Uh, you know, I don't think we'll, we, we won't be able to do the, the drive-through supermarket concept. You know, that, that'll be the one that shuts for the... The accessible vodkas will stay. The, brand, the 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 premium cocktails will stay. We'll probably keep doing delivery um, uh, because you know we it's probably been a decent opportunity to build to build that business. Um, started a you know an online bottle shop that'll stay. Um, the 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 cocktail experience will probably morph into other things. So we're starting we're doing cooking experiences and cooking lessons and doing all that stuff. Um, so I think I think a fair few of those things will stay. It's just you know how much time we can dedicate to them is probably um, is probably you know going to be the issue when you reopen because I think like everyone last time you're going to have there is going to be a fight for human capital. 
you know, and it's just how, you know, where do you focus your team on to reopen the pubs and, and, and you know, because that's, that's really what pays the bills and why you're building these other businesses, you know. Talk us through that. Oh. Sorry, Mike, you go. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to um, ask because it's, I, I, and it's more of a question, I guess I've got my own opinion on it, but uh, I think, and you, you touched on it, it's like, what are you reopening into? And it's a, it will be a different um, world because it's even if 70% um, double vaxxed and vaccine passports, like what environment we're going into is COVID normal, i.e. it's circulating and we, as opposed to the elimination um, yep. suppression model that we've come from. And in that context, like, I, I, and it's a question really around revenue diversification because what you're describing really is like building new revenue lines out, out of existing um infrastructure that you have some sort of com- capability to deliver and 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 in this current context it's serving a couple of uh, goals keeping staff employed hanging on to talent which is really important clearly uh and, and that winning concept um but uh, like I, I i guess um you know how much you keep as you go uh, <laughs> into what we aren't really sure about i guess i don't know yeah. what, what percentage of people are still wanting to you know do trivia from home versus coming out. Oh yeah, I think I think I think trivia trivia will be one that drops off, mate. I think I think um, you know they're they're the sort of things that people want in in the, in their home. These those other concepts about building brands, the, the idea with the the premium cocktails and the accessible ones, and the, the you know the, the delivery and the pizza, all that sort of stuff is about building the brand. The trivia itself, you know. It could work virtually um, for sure, but it, it will. It, it, it's not going to have that same. Um, look, there's going to be a lot. You, you're competing for people's time, then, right? And if they get a chance to go out, they're going to go out, you know, because everyone wants to go out. I think, uh, you know, how how I see reopening, if if that that might be part of the question, I think you know it's going to it's going to be slow. You know, we're going to you're going to they're going to have that same concept where you're probably not even going to be worthwhile reopening when they allowed you reopen. You know, if if they if they allowed just the outside dining and, and you know because it's, they're such our pubs are pretty big vehicles and once you start that that you know that, that ball rolling it's you know it's the actual expenses outweigh the income for the for until they reach a certain point um, and so uh, you know it, it's got to be it's got to be you can't you know in, in this time you have to be very careful of your, your capital and, your, and, and, your, and your, your money in the bank. You don't want to be doing things that you're losing on, you know, and, and um, so you've got to be careful when you reopen. But I think the uh, the way I look at it, Michael, um, I think that any of those things that we're doing, those other things, they're, you know, they, they're still decent in their own right because people can consume at home. And, and, um, and, uh, and, and I think if... Uh, you know, if they if they they're going to hit certain markets, you've got one that, that you know that, that that that's easy and cheaper and and, and every day, and, and you've got others that are that are, that are better and um, for better occasions, and and um, and I think that you know that idea of, of of people you know being you know getting used to 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 even learning you know the amount of people that learn how to, to pour drinks properly or serve drinks properly or you know and you, you're having that conversation with them about okay well this is a drink but this is how you should pour it serve it everything can I think they'll, they'll learn that and then they'll keep doing that at home when they, whenever they do have people at that their home but um, you know they're going to be desperate to get out for a while. We talk about the human capital aspect of. Uh, yeah, I guess the entire situation, but um, I can imagine, well, firstly, if you can give us some insight into the staff response that you've had um, internally and perhaps any uh, changes that have occurred um, the longer that this has gone on because it, it's it's been something. It, it, I think if the government turned around and said at the beginning of the lockdown this is going to go on for three to six months, um, obviously the response would have been very different to that which we experienced, which was, you know, it's probably going to be, I don't know, the original thinking might have been two weeks or four weeks or whatever it was. Um, so I guess men, from a mentality perspective, most workers and, and leaders have had the ability to warm their way into, the, to you know, a, a, an extended lockdown. But I guess I also know you're still highly engaged with your staff, whereas other businesses haven't had that opportunity and you're probably challenging them in ways in different service environments to that which they've, you know, previously had experience in as well. So what's that whole process been like for you and what insights have you garnered through, you know, as, long as, um, as this has kind of dragged on? Sure, yeah. 
uh, it was a novelty at the start, just like last time, you know. I think, uh, and then 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 you could just you, that feeling that look, you're you're in the grind, right? You, you know, and you're in the trenches, and and that's that was evident. Um, so, you know, as I suppose in my position, you got to make sure. Work and I had to, that, that you're aware of it and you can acknowledge it and then you can go and speak to the key people. But I'm, I'm a big believer that everything gets, you know, if 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 I'm in a you know in a in a mood or a somber mood or walking around like if you're defeated, you know, it's it's going to filter down through the whole thing. So I make sure that I hit the first layer of the people underneath me and then the next layer and the next layer because after that they're the ones that are going to go to the rest of the crew to keep them pumped. And uh, and so every day when you're walking through and you've got people peeling lemons and you know peeling oranges and making mixing and doing all this, you know, you're talking and and um, and you've got to create that idea that it's 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 part of the battle, you know, and it's part of the the idea that they're you know they're 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 engaged and they're loving. Yeah, it's different to what they were they were originally hired to do, but everyone's got a job and they're getting paid and and um, and uh, they they they're going to have a great great job when they reopen and because of how you know how much goodwill they've built in the community you know then more on a formal basis you know we 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 do our we do our emails and and communications with them on a regular basis you know i'm pretty open and honest about it really and say look this is where we're at this is how long i think it's going to last um you know anyone that needs a hand yell out you know we, we give them discounts and everything for food and, and drink and that through 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 the drive-through um, we're doing trivia for the staff where we give them alcohol and we do we touch base with them and you know, have a, you know if they want to have a drink they're going to have a drink over Zoom but they have that sort of social connection each of the GMs make sure they, they're, they're meeting with their teams over Zoom and, and you know staying with them we, we've got a guy we, we, we hired a um, before lockdown we were sort of there was a there was a piece missing I think that in um in, and definitely in our team, but I think it might be industry wide on the resilience of middle management um, for their me- their mental resilience. You know, maybe because of the the age, or uh, but it's you know, so we had to work out a way that you know when things became hard, they they had ways to deal with it. You know, so we're we're pretty much in that process um, before lockdown. Uh, you know, we had we had sessions and we, you know we have you know tutorials on it online and it's part of our. What we call our memento way—that um, they have to complete those courses—and and so therefore, then again, you know, we're doing that company-wide. We're you know, touching base for an hour next Monday to, with that facilitator, to talk about you know mental health and and uh, and, and to make sure that that, that that you know, if people anyone needs help, they can get it. But also on top of that, that they have the, the the skills and the and I suppose the understanding to be able to deal with it. You know, because. You know, I wake up sometimes and you just go far out. You know, here we are, back at it again. You know, you just feel that, you know, the grind and the suck. You know, you just go. Um, but it, and if I feel like that, you know, it's, you you got to work out a way on how to change that before I get in front of staff and and um, and uh, and then so you know, it's trying to help them have the skills to be able to do that as well. It's a really. Uh I just note that you said that you were working on that pre-lockdown, which I think is a un, it's a topic, sorry, that is not probably given the credit that it, it needs or deserves in that, that middle management level because of the talent shortage or the staff shortage, um, the amount of pressure placed on leaders in business um, pre-lockdown, not, you know, there's different pressures now, but just operating businesses with the lack of talent sitting around middle and upper management yeah. um, put more pressure on that level of, uh, of well, employee than ever before. Yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, it's, I, I looked and said, and you're having the same conversation with four or five different people from totally different backgrounds, but it's the same conversation. You know, and, oh, it's too hard, this is, oh, this is, oh, you know, everything's like, you know, and, and teaching them that mental, you know, the mental skills to be able to, to push through any anything, you know, so because it's going to be, no matter what job you're in, whether it's hospitality or anything, there's always going to be things that are going to come up that, that are going to challenge them. It's just, you know, whether they stay with us or leave, it's, you still want them to leave in a better better version of themselves so if they, they they have those skills but you know that that i think in our industry it's 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 a definite issue so you know we tried to look at a way said okay well we need to grow more of our own leaders and to do that you know this is one piece of the puzzle that needs to be in in, in that um from a leadership point of view and as i said before we've got we spend a lot of time on 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 on, on 
developing training systems, and our training systems are getting used by the publicans. Um, you know, and we, we just we, we, we white label it for them um, because you know that they. They're skill-based um, on, on how to do things, but then they're also, um, we have certified and non-certified, but then they're also um, lessons that, that, you know, any mistakes that we've made, and we, you know, we make mistakes every day and we work out ways and we try and work out ways and how we can train people so we don't continually make the same mistakes. And, uh, and you know, so th- those systems are getting better and better and this was a big gap in that system. You know, is is um, is 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 that? But you know, so we pretty much we, we built this out now, and we get a twelve week, once a week, you know, course that people can do, and and uh, and, and you know, to they make themselves stronger. And then, and then obviously, if I've got a stronger team, like I said, it's you know, it's benefit for me, but it's also benefit for the industry. In, in terms of your, your your staffing, just generally speaking, out of curiosity, are you drawing? Staff members within reasonable proximity to your venues. Like yeah. To, so, yeah. So we we um I listened to one of your podcasts the other day. I thought I heard someone might have been the guy from Maryland. I was talking about the twelve hundred visa students before lockdown. You know, like for us, we, we have visas, but obviously they're, 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 those guys are in the kitchen. You know, we don't have, we don't have front of house guys doing that stuff because of the the you know they don't live around here. You know, yeah. the, the, you know, so most most of our staff are, are, are locals, you know, and locals, and, and their parents visit the sites, and their parents trust us to to to, to train the, their kids, and you know, and, and then there's local hospitality people that want to learn, and you know, we, we if someone they're not going to last if they're driving an hour to come and work for us, you know, they're just they're just not going to do it. So most most of it's local. Man. And 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 you mentioned different backgrounds. Are you talking different cultural backgrounds or different? Uh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And how do you go with that, like in terms of teams, team management? Like, I think that you know, I think, I think it's, it's a, we're, I'm pretty big on setting strategy. Um, you know, so if I set the strategy, you know, with the with that, that leadership team, then 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 you know, you're showing everyone where they're going, and 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 pretty much that, and the priorities, and and so if there's questions that come up, they have to link it back to strategy. So if they come and ask me stuff, it's really got to be linked back to strategy. So no matter where they're coming from, culturally or anything, if if they can explain why it's going to be benefit for us, or you know, to to the strategy and or to the to the um, you know the the pretty much the the preference of of how how and what we prioritise, um, then we can work through it. And I'm I'm a, I'm a big believer that if you've got common goals. Yeah, even though there'll be differences, you know, common you can be able to work through them. Uh, and so, you know, that's we, we use that a bit. You, know, you don't have to like every single person you work with, but if you believe they're on your team because they want to achieve the same goal you want to achieve, you know, you can get over a lot of things. We um, you've mentioned Feb as the date where you think things will go back to normal. Um, let's focus on you know a happy time. What? How do you see the industry behaving? Come My Feb, day, come. This industry is you know is is one of the most resilient, if not the most resilient. It's like you know as an industry, I think I think. Yeah. Uh, my father used to say this. A lot, but he, and he'd say to the banks mainly. But he'd say, he'd say, "Look, pubs are good in good times, and they're better in bad times." <laughs> um, now I worked for a while for the for the banks, but maybe these bad times, maybe not so much at the moment. But you know, uh, the the people uh, love being around people, and they love being served. And they want to be served. And they want to be out there, and well, I can't wait to reopen. You know, like we're, we're pumped we're, we're, with the amount of money I'm spending at the moment building places. You know, and, and build, you know, renovating our venues, and um, you know, probably adding thirty percent capacity to to three of the venues. You know, um, because I'm I'm a I'm a firm believer that it's, it's going to come back, and yeah, it's going to be tough for a little while. But it's it's you know, the industry is an amazing industry, and you know that's why we love being a part of it. We love serving people, and people love to be served by. By 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 people that love serving them, you know, and, and I think that 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 you know, it's, if if we can, um, as soon as we can reopen, we're going to be packed. 
you know, with all this, not not there, not there, not there in the morning, like before we were shot, like you know, the great time of being the puppies and stuff. Yeah, we talk about a lot internally. Obviously, there's, there's, we're in a, our, our business is in a symbiotic relationship with, with yours, for example. Um, you'd have to imagine it's going to be one hell of a summer if we can get open in time, which, which surely we'll call December, Jan, Feb. Um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of partying happening. For sure. I think that'll be, you know, it, it'll be good in December. You'll be, you'll be good. It's just, it won't be. Our place is, you need to be open to be to get to get the maximum. It's like you know because if there's such big venues, you know where you can hold you know a couple thousand people in, in a venue. You, you know if you're holding five hundred, it's still a good night, but it's just not two thousand people. <laughs> so the um the, the without a doubt the place the place will be booming and and uh, you know Sydney itself will will, will get back to normal. But, uh, I just think we we re- rebrand uh, summer. Like from December through to June, like just all. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. Yeah. That's a great that's one of my ideas. Well, with global warming, might do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't laugh at that. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's August today, and it's uh, twenty odd degrees where I'm sitting. So you know, I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, I'm going to go to the beach after this. It's uh, about twenty four degrees and bright sunshine up in Noosa, so I'm all good. Yeah, very good, mate. Very good. Um, yeah. What do you reckon, Luke? Should we fire off our standard five or what? Yeah, I think so. Um, you can do the honours today, Michael. Sure. And um, uh, much we would have uh, sent these through to you, so uh, let's uh, let's see how we go. Um, a favourite book that you've recently read or a podcast you listen to? We've all already identified that you're a back-of-house listener, so <laughs> is that? Mate, I'm actually reading at the moment, I'm reading the, a book called Chaos. It's um, Charles Manson. You know, so a sixty story, very, very, very interesting, pretty crazy, wild stuff. Um, I try and read one fiction, then one one learning book. You know, so the, currently I'm in the, the, the um. The, that's not the learning uh, book, is it? It's a storybook. <laughs> Same. That's not the learning book, is it? No. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's we're just re- reading for fun, mate. But that, that, that's a good book from a podcast point of view, mate. I, now I listen to a lot of different podcasts. I think it's a great way to uh, to, to to garner information or, or spark ideas. Um, the one I like uh, that I listened to recently is Guy Raz. It's how I built this. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, one is a great interviewer. He really does a good job. But you know, the the, the quality of people he has on there is really good. And he he, he, he one, the other day I listened to one with that Gary Vaynerchuk. And um, you know, obviously, building brands and something is is, is, is something that resonates with me. So um, that was quite a good podcast to listen to. Yeah, they're great. They're such a great way of getting uh, information, aren't they? Um, yeah, you're too many expert on anything. Uh, so, like <laughs> um, can I ask a quick question in there? Is, is there a, a time that you do that every day? Is it? Do you get up early, you go for a walk, do some podcasts, or like how do you sort of structure that? Good, good question, mate. Yeah, it, it actually is. Um, it's. I do it two times. I'd see the in the morning. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a sauna at home, that, that uh, so I do it in the sauna. Um, of course you do. Yeah, and then um, <laughs> and then uh, um, and then I do it in the car. So instead of listening to radio, I talk back. You know, there's some there's a podcast on all the time in the car. Um, so yeah, it's pretty much twice. every morning I listen to one, which is good, and then uh, and in the car whenever I'm driving. Nice. When you're not listening to podcasts, um, are you into what what artists or albums might you be listening to? Mate, I, I such a wide variety. I mean, I grew up in nightclubs pretty much, you know, so there's a wide, wide variety of, of, of taste, you know, of, of music I like. I, I, I laugh when, you know, because the most I've been listening to lately is, is Andrea Bocelli. Ah. So, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know why, whether it gives me inspiration in the morning to get over that, that the feeling of, the grind, but you know, it, it definitely feels good when you when you go from there to go and have a cold shower to go to work. It's good. Yeah, good one. Uh, and um, you've been talking about how your venues are batching up cocktails right now, but uh, what, when it comes to drinking, what's your favourite right now? Yeah, it's a Negroni. Or, or, you know, it's, yeah, it's a Negroni. If I drink too much, I've been drinking and eating way too much, like probably everyone. But, but uh, yeah, it can't go past that. Who does the best in your humble opinion? You're not allowed to name check your own venue. <laughs> Who does about it, mate? Look, you know, most it's pretty much on, on every, every menu, every 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 menu now. 
I said to my staff the other day when I was talking to them, I said, look, you know, when we're looking at our own brands, I said, well, what, what a concept that they did with, with Negronis, you know, and like, well, I've been drinking for, you know, a long, long time. But think about from a marketing point of view, you know, every single bar has that drink on there, you know, and so they have to have, you know, the Campari in there. It's bloody, it's, well, you know, incredible marketing. You see there now there's Negroni Week, there's everything, and everyone drinks it. The only one standard, you know, is that brand. It's, you know, it's, it's fantastic. You look at that, you look at Aperol Spritz, and you know, it's impressive that people can build these sort of drinks at every step. comes up so often this podcast, people must assume we're sponsored, hey. Aperol's a really interesting, I was, I was honestly thinking about this the other day because I still remember when, back when I was at Keystone, they came to us at the winery and they wanted to do um, Aperol Hour and we were like, you know, no one really knew what Aperol was at that point and they were pushing it super hard uh, and it was impossible to you get guys, across the line. Did you guys put it on tap back then? Did you put it on tap? No. Uh, I don't know if we did it at the winery. It probably got on tap somewhere, but um, but it was a no-name brand and now that's the same as the Negroni. You can't go anywhere without seeing Aperol spritz umbrellas or it's on every menu and, and even I drink them now. So. Then you go, mate, what, what, what good marketing? What bloody mm, chocolate Easter eggs. <laughs> Just linking back to a recent episode, here's one for you in cases of interest. I don't know, it could just be me, but others. But uh, we had Justin Newton from uh, um, Housemate Hospitality on um, most recently. And at Apollonia, uh, I, I've been in there and they've got Negronis on uh, on tap, or at least one of theirs on tap. Anyway, it came out slightly carbonated. And oh, really? what have they done? What have they done with this? But so ever since I've had that, and I've been uh, making my Negronis and just Dropping a little bit of like a, a carbonate, you know, soda water in top. Soda, yeah. And it's actually, there's another drink. It's a Sabagliata or something like that, which is a, a Sabagliata. I can't remember, but it was a confused Negroni. But uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit of aeration. Uh, yeah, that, all that right, all right. We'll try. I'll so try to experiment with it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Um, now, uh, we, we uh, well, let's, uh, let's we're going to restrict you and not, you're not allowed to name your venues here, Marcello, yeah. but uh, favorite venue. Um, I'm going to say the SB in Melbourne. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, you, you walk through there and you just clap. You know, the, the amount of good things that are there, you just go fire out. Like just clever people, you know, um, that, that have done a great job and they, they know hospitality so well. And, you know, there's so many different, you know, attractions for different people in there. It's just just great park. Yep. What if, can I ask you? What about overseas? Where where are you off to as soon as you uh, you can get out of the country? I, I play cards, so I love Vegas. So um, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, who knows? You know, I'd, I'd love just to go to New Zealand at the moment. <laughs> Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to New Zealand. Or you know, I think it'll be a while before we get to go to go to America. But if I, you know, Vegas is is is, is calling. <laughs> Nice. Um, I'm very much looking forward to your answer to this one, Marcello. Who in the industry are you most inspired by and why? Yeah, that's – couldn't be one person, I think, Mike. They, they, you know, I, um, I I love what some of the old guys have done, you know, guys like Arthur and, and uh, George Thomas and, you know, for different reasons. You know, they saw things early um, and they, they really jumped on it. Then, you know, you look at – Justin, I mean, not many people can say they changed the city's nightlife, you know, and that guy did. Uh, pretty impressive to be able to do that. Um, you know, everyone everyone improved after that, I think. Uh, you know, then you look at some smaller operators like the guys from the grounds, you know, guys from Schoolhouse, you know, very, very impressive, you know. But, but I, 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 one of the things I learned the most, Mike, was, was – about 17, 18 years ago, I went and did a course, a John Taffer hospitality course in Vegas. And, mate, I probably came away with more takeaways from that than than, than any other piece of learning for hospitality I've been to. You know, I know it's, it's quite funny to think about when you see him now on TV, but he wasn't on TV back then. But, you know, the amount of takeaways I got from, from that course were, were huge. Yeah. Well, that's uh, wonderful. Um, a lot of food for thought here. Uh, and, you know, in... Uh, What's otherwise a pretty challenging time. I, for one, have been uh, very inspired by uh, the conversation today. Uh, Give me some things to think about as well in my role. Like, just uh, I feel I feel like um, yeah, you know, you're adding value. Honestly, I mean that quite genuinely. You know, it's really really good for me to be able to speak to someone like you and think about um, how, how best to serve the industry as we face um, this this challenge. 
Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks, guys, and thanks for, you know, your, your work and keeping everyone connected. And obviously, Luke, hopefully, mate, we, we all get we all get open and get busier and get, you know, because there's going to be huge demand for, for, for people, which is which is good. But, um, you know, I think, you know, fundamentally in, in a year's time, let's all have a drink together, hopefully somewhere. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Nice Negroni. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Thanks much. Thanks, guys. Cheers. The outro is back, Luke. I've been missing outros, Michael. Yeah, well, that chat prompted contemplation. I'll be contemplating that one, um, you know, as I go about my week, uh, the next few weeks, actually, I think, um, trying to make some, well, influence decision-making around, you know, um, how the sector recovers. And I, I think I feel like I was I scribbled so many notes while we were mm. uh, doing that one. Um, but what did you make of the discussion? Um, I firstly, I thought it was. Uh, I, I find listening to Marcello quite inspirational. I think the way that he, they go about business um, is admirable, to say the least. Um, I guess. Well, I kept thinking about the simplicity of what they're doing um, in terms of you know, if you break down each of the individual things that they're doing uh, in isolation, they are quite simple um, and, and not easy to pull off. But the difference between doing them and not is just a commitment to kind of activity. Um, you know, we talk about a lot in our business. Um, so I just really admire the fact that they've just gone out and done it. Like instead of just sitting back on their heels, and this is no disrespect to anyone who's not undertaking this activity at all, but the fact that they've just gone out and said, let's do it and let's look for different ways to keep our staff engaged, um, I think uh, deserves uh, wide recognition. The other thing that I want to uh, reveal as a personal personal anecdote didn't get time in the podcast is that and it's uh, I actually remember going to retro um, when I was younger and like, like I don't know if this is an awkward thing to say but you know I was uh, going out in Sydney in the late 90s uh, and um, you know like I'd, I'd get denied entry at nightclubs a lot and on, on the basis of you know um, it was explained to me in terms of my dress but I think that they're referring to something else really um, so Retro was a place actually where um, me and my friends uh, would would go because I could get in, and um, I, I just thought um, thought about listening to him. That's why I was asking questions about you know staff and and you know inclusivity. Like these are the things that uh, um, you know I think are oft talked about and um, you know not necessarily always executed. So to see operators like Marcello sort of you know even in con- current context um, kicking goals and linking it back to perhaps just what hospitality is all about. About, which is bringing people together irrespective of where you come from. I was quite touched. Yeah, nice. Well, um, yeah, super impressive guy. Um, I would happily do another follow-up with him uh, come February next year when, uh, you know, the outlook is a lot rosier and we can hear how they're, you know, hitting straps with newly renovated venues and uh, different business models that they're undertaking. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Outro and then a part two. Looking forward to it. Nice. Stay safe. You too. Get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs>